Our verse this morning is found in is Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7. Um, but we'll be reading a passage in Genesis chapter 6. So that's Genesis chapter 6, verse 13 to 22. Um, before I read that, though, Hebrews 11, verse 7. By faith, Noah, when warned about the things not yet seen, in holy fear built an ark to save his family. By his faith, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. Let us now read about Noah in chapter 6, verse 13. So God said to Noah, I am going to put an end to all people, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. I am surely going to destroy both them and the earth. So make yourself an ark of cypress wood. Make rooms in it and coat it with pitch inside and out. This is how you are to build it. The ark is to be 400 feet long, 75 feet wide, and 45 feet high. Make roof for it and finish the ark to within 18 inches of the top. Put a door in the side of the ark and make lower, middle, and upper decks. I'm going to bring floodwaters on the earth to destroy all life under the heavens, every creature that has the breath of life in it. Everything on earth will perish. But I will establish my covenant with you, and you will enter the ark, you and your sons and your wife and your sons' wives with you. You are to bring into the ark two of every living creature's male and female, to keep them alive with you. Two of every kind of bird, of every kind of animal, and every kind of creature that moves along the ground will come to you to be kept alive. You are to take every kind of food that is to be eaten and store it away as food for you and for them. Noah did everything just as God commanded him. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his word. Let's pray. Father, we come to you to read your word, to try and understand your word through the teaching of your Holy Spirit. And Father, we submit ourselves before you that you would open our hearts to hear what you want us to hear this morning, that you might give us a desire to obey you and follow you, and all that you command us to do. Amen. Let me ask you this morning, do you have any trophies, any awards at home? Perhaps you received a medal of honor or an award of some kind from school or from work or community service or sports. What do we do with trophies? Do we um, hide them away in a closet so nobody can see it? Maybe you do, maybe you're really humble. <laughs> or perhaps most times people put them on display. They want the world to see what they've done. You go to somebody's house and there's a, a cabinet of the things that, that they've accomplished. Because medals and awards and trophies represent a recognized achievement or received honor. This is why sports teams, schools, businesses, and individuals proudly put them on display. This extends well beyond awards or prizes. Parents proudly point out their children's accomplishments, their first steps, their graduation from school. See, most people have items of great value that they alone treasure. 
a special teacup handed down from the grandmother, a painting or a picture, an heirloom, something that uh, they hold of value that perhaps others would not see any value in. And so we call attention to people, accomplishments, and things that we treasure in our lives because it brings us joy and honor. I want you to think, do you think that God has any trophies? Does God have any treasures that, uh, that he holds dear? Do you think that God calls attention to that which brings him honor and joy? Well, one of the oldest books that we have of scripture, God draws attention to one of his servants. There was a man in the land of Uz named Job, and that man was blameless and upright, and one who feared God and turned away from evil. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves to the Lord, and Satan, the accuser, came along. And the Lord said to the accuser, from where have you come? And he said, oh, I've been going to and fro the earth, walking around, down on it. And the Lord said to him, to the accuser, have you considered my servant Job? You see, in other words, the accuser said, I've been looking around. I've been seeing what's going on in this world that belongs to God. And so God says, well, in your wandering, have you noticed this guy named Job? There's none like him on the earth. He's blameless and upright, a man who fears God and turns away from evil. You know, God is saying, hey, look, look at the servant of mine. He brings me joy. He brings me honor because he does what is right and he fears me. It's a biting reminder to the accuser, to the enemy, that he's not any of these things. He doesn't please God. He's full of evil and wickedness, disobedience, has no faith in God. Now we learn in the New Testament and from the Old that those who want to please God must please him through faith. Hebrews 11.6 says, Without faith it is impossible to please him, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who ask him. Hebrews 11 contains a small picture, a small window on what some have called the Hall of Faith. Pictures of men and women who are prized by God because they brought honor to him through their faith. In this summer series that we're doing in July and August, started by Ed last week, where he looked at uh, a little, great, and powerful faith, during this time, we want to see what God values. What does God value? We want to be what God desires. What does he want us to be? And we want to imitate people who were faithful to him. People such as those we're going to look at in Hebrews 11. Because they're there for a reason. They're examples of what pleases God. And examples of what we should be like. And so this morning, we're going to visit with Noah. We're going to learn about why Noah is in chapter 11 of Hebrews. Why is he one of the treasures that God holds dear? In our text this morning, read by Joshua, by faith, Noah warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this he condemned the world and became an heir of righteousness that comes by faith. 
So I want you to notice that this verse begins and ends with two words, by faith. The two bookends to this thought, by faith, by faith, that demonstrated Noah's life. Furthermore, I want you to notice how it's constructed in a way. By faith, Noah did three things. Well, there were three results of his faith. He made an ark, he condemned the world, and he became an heir. It looks like this if you want to break it down. By faith, he constructed an ark. How did he do that? In reverent fear. Why did he do that? For fear, but also for salvation. His faith condemned the world. We don't often think of faith condemning anything. We think of faith as a thing that uplifts and saves. And lastly, he became an heir of righteousness according to faith. So Noah's faith produced three results. He built an ark, he condemned the world, and he became an heir of righteousness. Now this morning, I want to spend a little bit of time on the first two and more time on the last point. Because when I read this verse, I was struck by the fact that God said Noah became an heir of righteousness. And that stuck with me. And so I wanted to share that with you this morning. But first, looking at how Noah, by faith, followed God's command. By faith, he constructed the ark. Reverent fear, as translated in NIV, which read this one by Joshua, really means a deep attitude of respect, filled with awe. When God spoke to Noah, his response was to be in awe of God. And God warned him of events that were unseen that would happen. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight and the earth was filled with violence. And God saw the earth and behold it was corrupt. For all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. And God said to Noah, I have determined to make an end to all flesh. I don't know about you, but if I got that message, that'd be terrifying. For the earth is filled with violence through them, through the people. And behold, it will destroy the earth. Then he describes to Noah what he's supposed to do to build an ark. Many of us encounter situations in our lives where we didn't anticipate it. Events unseen. You know, perhaps you're moving to a new location. Perhaps uh, you're getting married. Perhaps you're starting a new job or going to a new school this September or August. Perhaps it's as simple as a new day tomorrow. But we'll be encountering events that are not seen by today. But we know that God is ahead of us, waiting for us to guide us. So when Noah heard all of this, events unseen, what did he do? He had a sense of holy fear and respect. Because no one in the earth at that time had ever witnessed this kind of event, and never again. It was ironic, and I'm preparing this message, and it's pouring rain yesterday. It's raining today a little bit. Isn't it nice that God said he would stop it for us so it wouldn't keep raining and flooding yet again? Noah's demonstration of faith in terms of building the ark was for not just because he feared God, because God's warning was not just of judgment. It was also for redemption. It was for salvation. 
after he describes to Noah, this is what I'm going to do to the earth. I want you to build an ark. He says, but, I will, but in contrast to the earth destroyed, but in contrast, I will establish my covenant with you. And you shall come into the ark, you, your sons, your wife, and your sons' wives with you. And of course, all living flesh that draws breath would be chosen to come. And Noah did all that was commanded. You see, through Noah's obedience to God's command, Noah's household and all flesh that draws breath would be saved. Because Noah believed and exercised faith, humanity was preserved. In fact, you're here because Noah obeyed. You're all descendants of Noah. We don't have to think about that. That's part of our heritage for all people. See, what you believe affects other people. What you believe is not just for yourself. In our, in our society, in modern-day contemporary Canada, faith is private. You're not supposed to talk about it. It's private. What you believe is what you believe, but you shouldn't tell people about it. It's imposing your belief. But if you have conviction of your faith, that forms who you are. How can you hide that? How can you bury that? How you live your life, how you express who you are, affects other people. What Noah was asked to do was an expression of faith. And he obeyed that. And the result was salvation of his family and creation. The second result of Noah's faith is that the world stood condemned. This is a strange one. By faith, by Noah's faith, the world stood condemned. How is that possible? How could his faith condemn the world? Did his faith condemn the world? Well, it says in the text, the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. You think our world is bad right now? Imagine people living five, six, seven, eight hundred years. Imagine what you can do in 50 years of your life. You look in the mirror and you go, boy, that's, uh, man, I don't like what I see today. Well, imagine multiplying that tenfold. Imagine being 500 years and you were a pretty rotten kid. And now you're a pretty terrible person. Evil had multiplied on the face of the earth. It strikes me as interesting that that the Lord says the thoughts of his heart, the people's hearts, was only evil continually. There was this continual desire for things that were not of God. And so, of course, the Lord regretted this. He had grief in his heart that his beautiful creation created an innocence and beauty was now being corrupted by people who did not turn to him. And so he said, I'll blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land, man and animals and creeping things and birds of the heavens, for I am sorry that I have made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Out of all that evil, his faith shone. His obedience spoke. And it is through that obedience that the world is condemned. Because it's in contrast. 
Later on in chapter 6 of Genesis, it says, Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his generation. Noah walked with God. He was righteous, morally right and virtuous. Blameless means innocent of wrongdoing. Walked with God, followed the ways of God as a lifestyle. You may find it difficult to live a godly Christian life in our society. Imagine if everybody around you was completely evil. How do you live a blameless life? How are you innocent of wrongdoing? That's a challenge. But this is part of the heritage of Noah, of who he was. And so by his faith, the world was condemned. It's a contrast. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great, and his heart was evil continually, but not Noah. The contrast was obvious. You can well imagine what uh, people said when he built the ark. He's building this huge... In fact, just two days ago, this opened. A ministry called Answers in Genesis. They, they spent a fortune to build a replica of the ark as a museum. And as they built it, people said to them, you guys, you're crazy, what a waste of money. You can imagine what Noah's friends, family, people around him in the community said when he was building this ark. I mean, this is massive. There's a, there's a truck at, the, at the, the, the stern of the, of the vessel, if you can see it. That's how big it is. And that's, that's the scale. That's the, the cubits translated into meters. Oh, it's the states into feet, sorry. But you can imagine the mocking and the, dis- the disdain, the scorn, the ridicule. What are you building? What a waste of money and time. You're a fool for doing this. Thank you for entertaining us. They wouldn't believe God's warning, so they faced judgment. Noah's act of obedience was a physical demonstration that condemned the world. Because remember, God did not tell, Moses, tell Noah when the flood was going to happen. He simply said, get ready for it. Build an ark. The event will happen in my time. And in fact, he only gave Noah seven days' notice. In seven days, get things ready because the flood's coming. So he had to build the ark. What about today? When you share your faith with somebody and they say to you, you believe what? You believe that Jesus died on the cross and rose again from the grave. Paul tells us that to the Gentiles, it's foolishness. You tell people, well, God will bring judgment one day on the earth. You will be an account for your actions. People say, well, I'll worry about that later on, or it's not true. Refusing to see what God has already said to us. You see, Noah's faith is on display for us. God desires us to see Noah and learn about his faith and his trust in God, even as God wants us to trust him in the same ways. Noah heard God's deep warning Out of fear and respect and obedience, he obeyed God's command. And in contrast, those who saw Noah and heard of the warning from Noah as they asked him, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? They chose to disbelieve and continue in their wickedness and corruption with hearts hardened from long practice of disregard for God. So this is the first two results of Noah's faith. 
His faith resulted in the building of an ark and the world being condemned because he did not believe the message. And so we come to the last one, the last result of his faith. And that is inheriting righteousness. How can you inherit righteousness? Is this something that you can inherit? And of course, what is this righteousness that Noah's inherited by faith? And this is what struck me in this verse, that Noah became an heir of righteousness. It sounded kind of unusual, becoming an heir of something like that. Well, an heir is defined as a person who's legally entitled to receive property or rank of another person upon their death. It can mean inheriting or continuing the legacy of someone who preceded you. It can be inheriting uh, character traits or tradition or talent or a quality of a predecessor. All I can think of is, is some athlete whose son or daughter becomes an athlete and they say, oh, the child inherited the ability from their dad. So what is the source of Noah's becoming an heir of righteousness? Because to become an heir means you have to have somebody who has made you an heir. Well, there's a few options, which I find interesting. If you look at his, Noah's dad, Lamech, in Genesis 5.24, when he had his firstborn, Noah, he said, where is it? Then Lamech lived 500 years and he called his son's name Noah, saying, This one shall give us rest from our work and from the toil of our hands arising from the ground which God has cursed. The word Noah sounds very similar to the Hebrew word that means rest or comfort. Adam's sin cursed the ground, amongst other things. And Lamech was saying, my son Noah, I'll give you this name because maybe you're going to be the one who will free us and give us rest from the cursed toil of our hands on the land. So we have his father, who obviously had some kind of faith. If you go even back and look at his, his, uh, his great-grandfather, Enoch, it says in Genesis 5.24, And Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. Who else walked with God? Noah. Noah's inheriting something, a tradition of walking with God. If you go back even further, and you look at Seth and Enosh, further ancestors before Noah, it says way back in Genesis 4.26, And to Seth, to him also was born And he called his name Enosh. Then this little phrase, the very end of chapter 4. Then men began to call upon the name of the Lord. After Abel, there was a kind of wandering a bit. And now it says, when Seth was born, in place of the death of Abel, men began to call upon the name of the Lord. That could be a source of becoming an heir of righteousness. That's one possibility. But it's a different kind of source of righteousness as well. 
and that is that righteousness comes from God. It begins with and is from God through faith in Christ. In Hebrews 11.7, in our verse this morning, it was God who took the initiative to come to Noah. He came to Noah and warned him. He came to Noah and told him things that were, not, that were going to happen that yet nobody could imagine. And God expected Noah's response. So why he went to Noah? He expected Noah to respond in reverence and obedience to the command to build the ark. And in Genesis 7, after this is all done, in the middle of it, sorry, then the Lord said to Noah, go into the ark, you and all your household, for I have seen that you are righteous before me in this generation because you've obeyed me. God is the one who declares ultimately us righteous because Christ our sacrifice is righteous. Now I want you to, we we talked about this six months ago, but the nature of God is that he's not bound by time. He's outside of time. He looks at time. He saw Noah, he sees us, he sees Jesus. We look back at our salvation, at our Savior who died and rose. And that makes sense to us. It's a past event. I'm saved because that happened. Noah was declared righteous because of what was going to happen in Christ. And God could see Noah's life. He could see the sacrifice of Jesus and the resurrection. This was no surprise to Jesus. He knew what he was doing. And he could go back and say, Noah, based upon what was going to happen, I'm going to declare you righteous. As I declared Abraham righteous. So the question is, are you an heir of righteousness like Moses? Have you thought about that? Are you an heir of righteousness? Have you become an heir to that which God has declared before you? What makes somebody an heir? Paul says, so you're no longer a slave, but a son or a daughter. And if a son, then an heir through God. To be an heir means you have to have a relationship to the one who can inherit you, make you his heir. This is why righteousness comes from God, because he's the only one who's righteous. We're not. We're always going to mess up somewhere, because we still are sinners by nature. But God recreates us and gives us a new heart. So how do we become an heir? But when the goodness, loving kindness of our God, our Savior, did I have it on the slide? Yeah. Appeared. He saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness. We don't become righteous by our own efforts. But according to his own mercy, we become righteous. By the washing and regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Christ Jesus our Savior. So that being justified by his grace, we might become, what? Heirs according to to the hope of eternal life. He's the one who calls us to become his children, to make us heirs, just like Noah. So righteousness comes from God. And Noah's righteousness ultimately came from God as well. The second aspect of this is righteousness is demonstrated by how we live, by our character, how Noah responded to God's command. He believed God. He constructed an ark that didn't make any sense, logically. Because faith is active and living. 
It is walking with God. It's responding to God's direction when it comes and trusting him in patience as we wait for the things that are not yet seen. The most common example is we're waiting for a day when we'll see the Savior face to face. We sang it this morning. An event yet unseen, but we know will happen. And so we prepare today to meet Jesus. Today, tomorrow, next year, 20 years from now, 100 years from now, depending on how, how many years you have. So today, how does God speak to us? He speaks to us in texts like this, in his word. He's speaking to you right now. You say, I never heard God's voice. Yeah, you did. We read it this morning. It's in scripture. So what is God saying to you through Noah's faith? Do you trust God when he shows you what he wants you to do? Do you obey him? I mean, if I was Noah, I probably would have asked God some questions. I just want to clarify, Lord, you want to build an ark. How long is it going to take? Why am I doing this? You question, but Noah in our text did not question. So righteousness comes from God and it's expressed through our faith. Our last point is that righteousness is a result of salvation. It's a result of living in and by faith. You see, God saved Noah. We read in 6.18 that I made a covenant. God made a covenant with Noah. And so he's going to save Noah. But he saves his family through Noah's faith. And he saves the world through Noah's faith. They went into the ark. The Lord shut them in. He shut the door behind him. Make it watertight. And thus, the world was saved. So Noah made a covenant or God made a covenant with Noah. What was the first thing Noah did when the flood ended and he emerged from the ark? Looked at the land that had become dry. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord and took some of the clean animals and some of the, every clean bird and offered a burnt offering to, on the altar to the Lord. When the Lord smelled the pleasing aroma, the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground because of man. For the intention of man's heart is evil from his youth. Okay, God, is, God, is, God had just gotten rid of most people in the world except for eight people. And he still says, for the intention of men's heart is evil from his youth. This was not God's way of saving mankind spiritually because we're still evil. We still do evil things. God continues, neither will I ever again strike down every living creature as I have done. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, Summer and winter, day and night, shall not cease. When Lamech named his son Noah and said, Noah, I hope that you give us rest from our toil. What did God say when he smelled the sacrifice of obedience that Noah had given? He said, I will never again curse the ground because of man. That was Noah's name. Noah was born for this purpose and God's foresight. The other aspect of this is that we're made righteous in Christ. This is called imputed righteousness. Imputed righteousness is being treated as if something is yours through faith. 
even granted righteousness. God has declared you righteous. For our sake, he, Christ, or God, made him, Christ, to be sin who knew no sin, so that in Christ we might become the righteousness of God. Christ is the one who makes us heirs of righteousness through the Father. So, are you in a covenant relationship with God? Righteousness comes from God, is demonstrated by faith, and is a gift God grants as we give our lives to the Savior. Noah was declared righteous because God knew the salvation and forgiveness that Christ would once and for all achieve on the cross would be imputed or given to Noah. And Noah stands among the faithful and becomes a treasure of God's love. Anyone who trusts God, obeys him, has faith, walks with him, is treasured by God. Christ died for you. You are extraordinarily valuable to him. So the righteousness that Noah inherited is righteousness given to you by God the Father through Christ and received by faith. It is a righteousness that is demonstrated through how you live your life. And as a result of salvation, it blesses others through your faith. Most parents are the same. They grow older, watch their kids grow up, and they say, we want to provide for our children when we're no longer here. So we write a will. We make them our heirs. They will receive all that we have. What is the most important thing you can leave your children? Faith. To become an heir of righteousness according to faith. It's not the money, it's not the possessions, it's not the wealth, it's not the character traits. It's faith. That is what we leave behind. If you're younger, that's what you're leaving behind as well. Because it's not just people who we have a relationship with as a, a legal family relationship, but it's those around us. As we draw them to Christ, as we point them to Christ, they too can become heirs of righteousness through faith. It's not what we give people, it's who we are to them that draws them. So this is the most important inheritance that we can leave behind is that of faith that leads to righteousness, the example we set, the life we live. And so this morning, where are you exactly, aside from sitting in church? I asked this question once, and somebody said, I'm right here. That's right here. Are you walking with God right now? Are you living by faith right now? Is God part of your daily thoughts and plans? He is now because you're in church. But later on when you're watching France v. Portugal, maybe that won't be in your mind. Or tomorrow at work, when the Monday morning hits and it's like, oh, why is this always a Monday morning? Is God part of your thoughts? How does he want you to live your day? And does what God desire become what you desire? Not what we desire, God, give me what I desire, but God, what do you want to desire for me? And I want to embrace that. And if I don't want that, Lord, change my heart to be what you desire me to be. See, in God, the Father's eyes, 
as you have received Christ's righteousness, then live as those who are righteous. Trusting and walking with God and following where he leads. Walking by faith. Becoming an heir means living like an heir. You don't see many uh, trust fund rich kids living in a shack. They are living as if they're heirs of wealthy parents. We're heirs of God the Father. We live our lives accordingly, not in possessions, but in faith. And we know that faith is ultimately what pleases God. Without faith, it's impossible to please him for whoever would draw near to God. If you want to draw near to God this morning, it requires faith. Believing he exists, that he rewards those who seek him, and that reward is himself. We sang arms open wide. That's who we come to worship. That's who our faith is in. Let us pray before we have our last song. Heavenly Father, thank you for recording for us in your Holy Scripture some of the life of Noah, that we could look and see, Lord, how he lived before you, living with the knowledge that you gave him and obeying you in the way that you required. Father, we ask this morning that you would fill us, God, with a desire to live for you. And Lord, if, there, if there's somebody here, Lord, who has not yet made that step to become part of your family and becoming an heir of righteousness, I pray, Jesus, that they would draw near to you today to meet you because you welcome us with arms open wide. Father, please hear our worship now as we worship you and, and uh, prepare for going out into the world. Amen.